Welcome to episode 74 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about some alarming news concerning krill, and I talk about an adventurous little sea lion who made his way onto a San Diego freeway. We learn about two new awesome favorites and about our animal of the week from the ocean. So let's dive into episode 74 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of awesome animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? Well, for starters, happy Pokemon Day. Is it Pokemon? I don't play Pokemon. It's Pokemon Day. Okay, <gasps> great. I know I'm a bad nerd in a few ways. Anime, yes. Pokemon, and like most video games, which I would play if I had time. I just don't have Okay, time. I was going to ask what your favorite Pokemon from Gen 1 is. All I can and say, then judge the you. only ones I even know are Pikachu and Squirtle. Yeah. I think there's a little... And those are the answers like you can hear people saying it's like you don't actually play or watch this no i'm pretty sure those are the only ones i feel like there's another one but I, that's the ones i can think of yeah. or i just blanked on his name pikachu and squirtle which i'd probably choose squirtle but also they all evolve right yeah. their names change as they evolve yes <laughs> i don't know man but also what did i just say i don't do anime and what <laughs> is pokemon God. pokemon is anime so lord help us I don't, I was the right age for Pokemon. Yes, you are. That's why I'm so disappointed. I know. I was the right age for Pokemon, but I also didn't have video games when I was a kid. My mom would not buy me video games. Really? Mostly because most of them are really violent. Who cares? But like, (laughs) she did. I was not allowed to play violent video games, so I didn't get that. And then I just wasn't, I was obsessed with horses and gymnastics and other things, so it wasn't like a big deal. So my favorite from Generation 1 is Gengar. And I really like ghost types. <laughs> you won't get this. I don't know it's anything like... what that is, but I'm sure some of our listeners totally know what you're talking about. I am yes, and they you. know, of course, I am right. Okay. <laughs> but anyways. Are they pretty? No. Okay. Well, Are they the most I, powerful? Well, he's, he's strong. Yes. <laughs> and I think they're cool because it's purple. Do they? Okay, that's cool. Um, Do they bat- They battle each other, yes, right? Yes, they do. Are they trying to kill each other or are they just like, no, oh, just no, just so they win. pass out. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That's fun. <laughs> Maybe someday I will sit and just I feel watch. like I'm talking to a boomer. I will just, excuse you, rude. <laughs> Closer to Gen X than boomer. Oh, um, no, but still. I'm an elder millennial. I'm the true millennial because I was a sentient human being There's at the turn of the... There's a comedian I watch, uh, I love, um, Liza Slangley. And um, she is like... Is she the I'm... elder millennial one? Yeah, I've seen hers. Up. I like some I of it. An and then elder... I'm like, Elder millennial. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a little different. Oh my gosh! You're like you're like the the normal millennial, and then we're like the top. I'm on the top <gasps> end. I still love how everyone bitches about millennials, and they're usually talking about Gen Z, and they have no fucking yeah. idea what they're talking about. I'm like, you realize that there's no millennial under thirty, right? <laughs> like, there, a lot of them are in their forties at this point. So, like, mm. and I love a lot of the complaints that they have about them. I'm like, you're really complaining about your shitty parenting, is yeah. what you're actually complaining about. Yeah, that's Gengar. He's kind of cute because he looks angry. Yes. All right. I mean, I think Squirtle's cuter, but that's fine. 
Maybe he's really powerful. Anyway, continue on this dude. Yes. Okay. But I went tide pooling with my sister. Um. Why don't you ever invite me tide pooling? I don't. I thought you were too sick. Oh, okay. That's fine. But we have to go tide pooling. Yes. Okay. And it was a low tide actually because we were. This was a reasonable low tide because it was at noon, and it was negative. Uh, it was um, below sea level, so it was. Was this La Jolla? Where'd you go? La Jolla. Okay. Yes, and it was my best finds yet. <laughs> nice. Did you get to see the? What were you? What have you? What are you always trying to see? Not an urchin, right? It's something else. I don't. You talked about one episode. There are some you're always hoping to see, and you never see them. Yeah, there's a few things. Okay. But I did see a few things that I never get to see that okay. I want to see. Um. But first, the basic stuff, I saw the typical sea anemones, I saw limpets, chitin, the things that never move. What's a chitin? It's a little mollusk. They look like they have a bunch of tiny little plates all together. Oh. Okay. We have to go. Yes. It's a lot of barnacles and mussels. But the coolest things I saw were some California spiny lobsters. Okay. And I saw an octopus. <gasps> That's cool. Yes, I it was just for a second. Stoked. Me and my sister, my sister's like looking. I was like, "What is that?" Uh, thinking to herself, and she was like, "That's a really big crab." It's like, and then she started moving. She's like, "Casey, I think it's an octopus." Did and it I hide and in was, like a crack or something? Yeah, Why it was like right on. It was there was a bunch of seagrass, and then it was this rock that was pointing out, and it slowed because it. We saw it really quick for a short amount of time and then it moved away um but it's like you just see it gingerly walk away and go we think it went under the rock oh dude i'm so stoked to see an octopus mm -hmm. yes we should go while i'm on leave yeah we should go tide pulling sometime how long does it how long do you go for uh we always there for about two hours that's that's doable yeah okay anyway continue though but i'm super stoked for you for seeing an octopus that's yes. pretty awesome but yeah those were the coolest things i saw and um, and then we were just standing around there trying to f sign it again, and then it's like shifting around seagrass to try to see it. But in all like I even knew it's like it's very unlikely I will see this again. Yeah, <laughs> because it has probably wedged itself in between rocks. Mm-hmm. How were there a lot of people there? A decent amount. Okay. Yeah, it was a Friday. I just so. haven't been there in so long. I feel like it's La Jolla is where I went. I haven't mm -hmm. been there in so long that. I don't know. There's a lot of nature-y cool things to do in San Diego. Yes. We're pretty awesome. But it's too lie. expensive. It is extremely... Have you seen the rent prices lately? Mm -hmm. It's so bad. Yeah. I'm like, there's no one who's paying this. I love... There's one... Like, That's mean... why me and my sister were talking about it. I was like, we need to find a TV show. We know we can go on it. <laughs> yeah, right. One of the game shows. There are a couple I'm like, I would do really well here. Mm -hmm. I could like make some money. Like mm -hmm. not a crazy amount, but like I'd make some... I could probably pay off my debt. Um, yeah, there was a meme and it was like, cause it's one of the typical requirements of a lot of places. I assume it's the same all throughout the country. I don't know how it is in other countries. Right, sorry. Yeah. It's the same throughout, I'm sure, many states. I don't know how it is outside the country cause a lot of countries run things better. So, you know, um, but usually they want you to make three times rent. So the meme is like, landlord, <laughs> do you make three times the rent? And then like the uh, applicant, like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> honestly though like seriously you don't i love the whole like you have to pay so much in rent because you can't you're not responsible enough to afford a mortgage which is cheaper than the rent you're paying that doesn't go anywhere except for into a landlord's pockets mm -hmm. anyway the u.s is a mess but anyway yeah. continue on tide pools are awesome but we do pay that sunshine sunshine tax and cool nature tax here in san diego yeah but um and we lost track of time is like nearly 
extended past because we looked at she, my sister looked at her uh, phone and I realized it's been nearly two hours we're almost up on our parking oh okay, <laughs> because yeah. it's two hours for parking um but yeah that was the highlight um you always see there was a bunch of little fish I can never get a picture of a little fish because they move too fast they're little on there yeah yeah a bunch of crabs um not as many um open sea anemones because the tide was out so they were all sucked in Trying to stay wet. Mm-hmm. Are we trying to avoid saying moist? Oh, no. I like saying oh, moist. Okay. <laughs> I just like moist. someone who hate that word. So I was like, I feel like you were about to say it. And we're like, I should say wet instead. I know. Ple- I say moist all the time when I find out people. I'm You're with someone mean. that hates that word. I feel like that's the most commonly hated word. I don't get it. I don't really care either way. I'm mm-hmm. indifferent. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it was funny because like the tide was starting to come up and we could. Oh, but the funny thing is, because water gets stuck there at uh, low tide, yeah. it bunch of waste builds up from all the life that's in there, and the water turns green yeah. after a while. Gravity. Yeah. And then the tide was rising back up um, um, when we started heading out. And then somebody, for some reason, decided he's going to go fishing here now. At the tide pools? Yeah. That seems odd. Like near, the, like like trying off. to grab the lobster, no, or like, like with an actual line. Okay, yeah. Actual cast fishing, and the pay, which I see people trying to fish there all the time. It's like high tide's coming, tide's coming in, dude. Um, that's going to be below water soon. <laughs> and also, where we picked was a dumb place because it's literally covered in seagrass. It's like you can easily slip and eat shit <laughs> and bust your head open. Well, <sighs> sorry. All right, well, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Do you ever get video or pictures of these guys? Well, I guess you attempted to get pictures. We tried, but it's like we were, my sister didn't even have her phone out and she was going to video record it. And it's like I wanted, I was trying to switch over, but my phone's too stinking sensitive. So it's like, go back to just photo or video. How does the GoPro handle stuff like we that? We forgot the GoPro. I was like, can't you just use the GoPro? I mean, yeah. the image quality isn't amazing, but it's not bad. Uh, it's a really good image quality. I'm like, it would have been good if we did, but we forgot to charge it. And we've never brought it tide pooling for some reason. I don't know why. You should definitely. Isn't it waterproof? Yes, it is. You can stick it in the freaking tide pool. I know. I didn't. Why do you not do this? I don't know. Next time we're going to go tide pooling, check with me first so I can remind you about these things. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, we're flipping stuff again. Mm-hmm. Casey has positive things and I've got negative things. So... Oh my gosh. First, I guess first and foremost, let's go with the more important issue here. Obviously, we now know that Russia is fucking stupid. Sorry if there's anyone in Russia. Maybe you're one of the great people who's protesting invading Ukraine. Oh, yeah, the protests um, in Moscow right Yeah, now. go good Russians. Um, but obviously, the invasion of Ukraine, there have been so many posts, because I'm on a bunch of animal groups and a bunch of, like, D&D and other stuff. So many posts of everybody fleeing with their pets. And it is just so sad, mm-hmm. and they have their animals with them. And then it makes me think of the animals that didn't leave, and I'm just like, uh, oh, my God. Did you see the story about this one couple that had this cat cafe shop, and they didn't leave Ukraine because they wouldn't have anyone take care of their cats, so they stayed? Oh, is that the cat? I saw that there was a cat cafe that's still open, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm sorry. You've got to just bail. Like, you got to grab your stuff and go, because that's just... You don't trust them to not just fire on civilians. Mm. Obviously, they shot at a freaking apartment complex, so mm. they're going to fire on civilians. Um, 
But anyway, there's all these people, and then they're all like in like the like subway stations or rail stations with all their animals, and everybody's huddled. So yeah. it's so bad. And then, but I'm happy to see how many people are being really responsible with their pets. Mm-hmm. And then Poland is being awesome. And you can totally cross with your pets. And they're saying now, not just cats and dogs, but also like livestock and stuff they're taking as well. So you don't have to, they don't have to go through a whole quarantine. They have to get um, chipped and vaccinated, I think. But anyway, but yay Poland for helping out. And For this one thing. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but yeah. A lot of countries don't do shit ever. So like, <laughs> it's kind of a humanitarian animal cry. Well, a yeah. lot of times, and I mean, I get why they wouldn't, you mm-hmm. know, especially with the pandemic and everything too but it's kind of like you know you've got to help people who are trying to flee so they don't have to leave their animals behind mm. and then they're trying to get um groups together to help take the animals if you can't like take them with you anyway also just goes to say like always take your pets with you obviously war zone's a little different but like if you possibly can do also don't have too many pets that you can't take them with mm-hmm. you that's part of the thing but anyway um fuck russia and um well fuck bad russia Shouldn't say fuck all of Russia, because there are good people in Russia, mm. but it's very sad. I hope that, uh, I don't care that I say very clearly, I hope that Putin dies, <laughs> and um, you guys can get some control of your country back, since he's been a freaking dictator for forever. Anyway, don't worry, we have all kinds of problems here, too. <laughs> we're not we're not really that much better but um anyway um so on to more bad news though speaking of america not really being better um one of the groups i'm on is like the neighborhood you live in a lot of times they'll have like you know san diego friends or whatever the group is so where i live there's a group and someone posted that they're that they were heartbroken because their neighbor shot their cat for the second time and then they took the cat to the vet, and then the vet left the door open, and the cat ran outside. So that was the original post, and I was just shocked by many things in this. And then I bring it up because they just posted recently that they found the cat. The cat had to get its leg amputated because of the gunshot, and um, and it's back home. So many things. Keep your cats inside. <laughs> like, I don't know if the cat had to have been outside, because if you shot into someone's house, you definitely go to jail. Um... Like, especially if your neighbor's crazy and shoots your cat, don't let it outside. But also, like, if my neighbor shot my cat, I'd be in jail because my neighbor would be <laughs> fucking dead. There's no way. And I'm pretty sure there's animal cruelty charges there. And also, like, there's definitely regulations, I'm sure, in California because we have oh, stricter yeah. laws. But even in, like, the, like, you know, podunk type places, there are still regulations on how close you can be to structures before you fire a weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a BB gun and maybe that might be different, I, but like... I have no clue because like when I lived in Fallbrook, people were firing off guns all the time. Yeah, because that's country bumpkins. But like that didn't happen. <laughs> when I lived in Valley Center, that didn't happen all the time. I mean, there are ranges and stuff and there are places where you can go, but like you're not supposed to be shooting in close proximity to homes for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, my neighbor would be dead. And I'd be in jail, but it'd probably be worth it because if you shoot my animal, I'm going to shoot you. I guess I'd have to get a gun first. That would be the first step. You don't really want to have to have a gun, but anyway. Um, But also, like, if your neighbor's shooting cats, that's some serial killer fucking mojo right there. Like, I'd be concerned about living next to someone like that. I've seen kids go into pet stores like, I'm concerned about them down the line. Oh, my God. There's so many, like, you're a serial killer in in the making. So, like, I'd be just concerned about, like, being your neighbor. Like, if I had a neighbor like that, I probably would get a gun because I'd just be mm-hmm. like, oh, this person's not going to come to my house and be crazy. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So, don't shoot people's pets. Also, it's a cat. It's not like it would be different if, like, you know, a giant. Me and my sister were actually having this kind of conversation when we were at the 
going down the steps to the tide pools. Yeah. And it was like, objectively, a cat attack is going to be not nearly as bad as a dog. No. No. So, like, if you have, like, you know, a cane corso attacking you, okay, you can shoot that and try to make it count and, like, take it out quickly. Like, if that could kill you. A cat is going to hurt and they can fuck you up because mm-hmm. they can you can get infections all kinds of stuff but like i've seen that happen my mom was attacked by her cat when i was a kid yeah so like it can happen but like you can get out of a cat situation yeah and also like the cat's probably not that aggressive <laughs> and if a cat is that aggressive where are you because they're not usually that aggressive on like your property that means you have entered their home or like the little video of the kid when he got attacked by the dog and the cat kicked the dog's ass anyway so frustrating but, uh, yeah, so terrible people out there, and I would easily be in jail, <laughs> as I would imagine you would be, too. Yeah. I've also remember reading... No, I wouldn't be on scale. I'd be living off the grid. <laughs> just gonna leave. And then staging a coup. I mean, then you just argue the <laughs> second... You just argue the Second Amendment rights. <laughs> Bullshit. They argue for everything else. Works for police, right? So, anyway. Um, all right, so moving on, we should talk about... Uh, hopefully you're happier hopefully that's not <laughs> no. a word hopefully happier things i have no. a sort of happy thing Mine's um not. cool casey's back to being casey and uh what are you going to talk about today krill krill in antarctica okay what about them so i read an article and it's like the title was does krill fishing threaten wildlife in antarctica i would imagine yes yeah for context, krill are tiny shrimp-like crustaceans that are a major food source for many species in the ocean, such as baleen whales. If you've ever watched a documentary about whales on life, you should know this. Well, also even Finding Nemo. Yes. Oh, krill. The krill, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like the sun away? <laughs> anyway, um, continue. Krill are also important to humans as we use them in medications, supplements, and fish food. I did not know. Well, fish food makes sense. Mm-hmm. I did not know we use them in vitamins and supplements. What kind of vitamins and supplements? Omega three, omega sixes. Oh, it's a lot of the fish oil type stuff. Okay. Yep. Um, back in January of this year, a humpback whale actually died because it became trapped in a krill net. And last year, three other humpbacks got caught in krill nets at the, from the same fishing company, Acker Biomarine. Uh, they gotta look under their shit, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the company, these were the first incidents it had with their nets entangling whales for 15 years in Antarctica. They have stated that they are making improvements with the equipment they are using to help prevent whales from getting caught in them. The krill industry is also set to expand in the next several years, and various countries are already planning new investments, one of which we've already talked about, into the industry, which worries scientists because trawling may pose a serious threat to Antarctica's wildlife. The area where trawling for krill occurs is also where marine mammals like fur seals, humpback, and blue whales live. This may also be a threat to penguins as they will actually, uh, studies have shown that they will actually hunt for longer periods of time when there are fishing boats in the area. You mean because they can't find their prey sooner or they just Because they know boats means fish. Gotcha, okay. Um, there is a concern with fisheries becoming depleted, and currently Antarctic waters contain between 300 500 million tons of krill. The Antarctic krill is a species that has been thoroughly researched compared to other species, and most of the world's governments have not invested in opening new fisheries due to interest in conservation. 
There are restrictions in place due to the Antarctic Treaty System. Currently, there are only around 11 ships that trawl in four areas off the Antarctic Peninsula, and they cannot catch any more than 620,000 tons of krill, which equates to less than 2% of the population. Okay. So far, none of these trawlers have taken this amount, but 450,000 tons were collected in 2020, which was the largest amount taken in several years. It is suspected even just a few more trawlers could easily hit the threshold that has been set easily, and currently the krill oil market is worth $531 million and is expected to increase to $941 million by 2026. Another pressure for this industry is the quickly growing fish farming industry, which is the fastest growing food area, and demand for it is expected to double by 2050. And fish farming uses krill as feed for the fish that they raise. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. This is not helped by the fact that krill are already declining globally due to factors like climate change and increased whale populations. And back in 2016, a study published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters found that increasing water temperatures and melting ice could cause a 30% decline in krill populations in this century. To put into perspective the need for large krill populations, an adult humpback consumes 3.1 tons of krill per day. <laughs> and in the area in the West Antarctic Peninsula, there are around 3,000 humpbacks. Oh my gosh. Uh, this October, the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources will get together and consider changing the limits set and trawling areas regarding these conservation concerns. Wow. It yes. just depresses me because there's a lot of things you can try to do, like supplements, medications, all kinds of things you want to try to say natural, but those are even sometimes worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the palm oil and stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, then they have to go after all this stuff. So it's just so hard, I think, as a consumer to know what is the same and everyone can slap green on whatever and say that yeah. it's good or you can you know things that sound good can actually not be sustainable so mm -hmm. and people only care about making money so mm -hmm. we just need to have less people yes y'all stop having a bunch of kids like two that's coming from someone who wanted five okay <gasps> what i'm an only child <laughs> only being an only child there are perks uh, but also i definitely want siblings oh my goodness so yeah um, but I'm too old to have five children. Mm -hmm. And also, <laughs> where's that money coming from? Um, children are expensive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ugh, this is why people need to pass tests and prove that you are capable before you can have kids, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yes. So, yeah, it just, that depresses me, man. Because mm -hmm. it's like when you go buy something at, like, Sprouts or one of the healthier places, you're like, this probably doesn't have a bunch of shit in it. But also, like, is it sustainably sourced? <laughs> I'm actually going to be talking about, I found another research paper recently regarding um, organic versus conventional farming in different areas, and they ha have different impacts um, in different ways. Yeah, we definitely need to look at what we eat more mm -hmm. and try and be more sustainable in things, both plant and animal-based. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving along, I there's no segue to this, really, but we nope. were talking about the tide pool. Casey was talking about the tide pools earlier, which are an awesome <laughs> thing in San Diego. You know what else happens in San Diego, folks? Sea lions show up on the freeway. 
I know you're in San Diego. So this is a story. I forget. He did this like a couple of weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just your normal local news. And there's a sea lion crossing a freeway. That's a fairly busy freeway. Not one of the craziest, but a fairly busy freeway in San Diego. And there are motorists who got out of the car to help, like, direct traffic and help him get over. And then obviously they call SeaWorld because then they come out and rescue them and rehabilitate and release. So anyway, this story specifically that this little guy got released. Um, but... Just to give a little bit of a of a background on this little guy, he's a little he's a little explorer. Is what this little guy is, so we'll just read it as it goes. So, um, a sea lion that weaved through traffic on a busy Southern California freeway before it was rescued from a median last month has been returned to sea. SeaWorld San Diego said. Um, after a full month of rehabilitation, I guess it was a month. <laughs> SeaWorld's rescue team, in collaboration with veterinarians and NOAA. Uh, decided the sea lion was ready and approved, well, he's approved, to go back to his rightful home and was successfully returned to the ocean yesterday morning. This was last week? Oh, like two weeks ago. This was on the 11th when this was posted. Um, anyway, so we don't really care about his weight. But anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, it's talking about his weight and stuff. What we care about is the crazy other stuff he's done, really. So um, so on January 7th, oh, yeah, this was a while ago this happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Morning commuters reported that and that the animal was on the eastbound 94 freeway near Interstate 805. 805 is really busy. Yeah. I don't think the 94 is that bad, though, because that's pretty south. Um, the California Highway Patrol said, after it crossed from a shoulder to a median, Good Samaritans helped to corral the pinniped, CHP, and SeaWorld's head at the time. Um so then obviously SeaWorld took it in and they rehabilitate animals all the time. I don't know if anyone, you don't know JJ. I don't even think you were alive then. JJ? JJ. I remember JJ. You remember JJ? You I remember must have been like two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> JJ was a gray whale yeah. calf that they rescued and then they put a tracker on and they released her and she like immediately knocked it off. Knocked it off. <laughs> so it was a whole thing. I saw JJ, man. And I was a little kid and didn't get it. And I'm like, why can't she just live here? <laughs> my dad's like. <laughs> My dad's like, she's too big. <laughs> She'll get too big. <laughs> anyway, oh she can't live in this. Anyway, I think that was back in the time where I thought you might be able to keep a whale in like a pool, too. I'm like, we have a pool. Anyway, you're stupid when you're a kid, you know? You don't get things. Oh anyway, so they continue to say that California sea lion population has been booming, leading San Diego officials to try and balance the marine mammals' needs with those of coastal visitors, which I will say, well, I guess we'll continue this part because that has to do with it. It has closed some areas popular with tourists as part of its response. It's like all the bitching about the children's pool. <laughs> that has been a constant battle in San Diego. The children's pool is this little, like, not alcove, but they kind of built out a wall so it makes it a little yeah. safer for, like, little kids to, like, wade in the water. But then... <laughs> Yes, um, I think I, I think I used to go to the children's pool when I was really little, mm-hmm. and then the sea, sea lion seals, sea lions there. I feel like those are seals there. There's those seals. Yeah, I was saying, I think those are seals. So the seals, sea lion's not that far over there. Yeah, the seals decided this is a great place for what do they call those rookeries? Mm-hmm. They're babies. So they go and they're like, this is a great place for us to raise our little babies, and they took it over, and it's been this whole thing of like it was built for children, and I'm like, well, the children like to look at the seals, so shut up. Um, and then other places too, and they'll shut off certain areas when the when the seals are breeding and everything. And people are stupid and bitch about it, and then also like go up and touch them. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I hope it bites your hand off because you're stupid. I remember one time I was on the walkway portion of the wall, and yeah. then somebody was literally getting right up to take a picture selfie with one of the seals once. Oh my god! I was like, it's a good thing I don't have a rock restaurant. <laughs> like, get away from them. Anyway, it's because anyway. it is illegal. 
It's a huge thing, though, in, like, San Diego. Like, yeah. you're pretty – it's kind of like going to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Like, you're going to see some – those are sea lions, I believe. You're going to see those guys there. But, like, you come to San Diego, especially the right time of year, you're going to see them, and there's little babies, and there's little baby, like, seagulls and other birds. And so, it's so cute, and we love them, so people need to stop bitching. Wildlife was here first, and we like looking at them. But anyway – Continuing on with this little guy. Um, so the freeway location where the animal was rescued is roughly four miles from San Diego Bay. How it got to one of the city's denser communities so far from the water isn't clear. It's, it's very determined is how. Um, but this is the best part. SeaWorld has said the animal has had a history of ending up in odd places. In November, it was rescued near the San Diego International Airport on the bay. That's like right next to the water. So that makes sense. In December, it was spotted at Naval Base Point Loma, um, which also, again, right next to the, the water. And also Point Loma is beautiful if you've ever, uh, ever come out here. It's beautiful. Anyway, and then, um, and on Mission Beach Boardwalk... Again, really close to the water. That one makes sense. And near a deli adjacent to nearby Mission Bay, mm-hmm. home of SeaWorld, the park said. So this little guy is just, he's like Ariel. He just wants to be where the humans are. He just wants to see what's going <laughs> oh on. He's God. checking out all kinds of things. <sighs> so anyway, then they just say at the end, they're like, so it's not out of question that the sea lion, that this sea lion could ride again. <laughs> what? Where is he going? Anyway, <sighs> it was crazy, though. It was like. There was a kind of a, not a big news day, but like when there's a sea lion on a freeway that is not near the water, it's kind of like, how did this happen? Mm. And only in San, not only in San Diego, but one of the places is what happened. So it was crazy, but he's been released to the wild. So I'm sure we'll probably hear from him again. Most likely. (laughs) See where he shows up next. (laughs) He's Mm. pretty south though. He's Mm -hmm. been pretty consistently south. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if he goes up north a little more, but uh but he's a silly little guy. We don't know his name. We should name him something. Renegade. I have named him Renegade. Renegade. Mm-hmm. Or Explorer. Nope, that's stupid. Renegade's his name. Anyway, so yes, San Diego, come to Balboa Park, stay for the crazy seals <laughs> and sea lions that venture onto our freeways. <laughs> as far as I know, that's the first freeway, freeway crossing. I think by so. By a pinniped. Oh, God. Anyway. All right, well, that gets us to our our favorites for this uh, episode, <laughs> this month. And I'm like, it's not the entire month. Um, this is our funky month, our Indian Southern and <laughs> Indian and Southern Ocean and our and, oh my god, and Antarctica. When in reality, really, there's one fucking ocean. It's all one ocean, but you know, whatever. We break it into sections. Um, and I tried to choose something that was specific to the area, so I chose for the category our favorite fish. From the Indian Ocean, commonly kept as a pet. <laughs> and Casey, what did you choose? I chose the longhorn cowfish. I don't know if I know anything about this. I'm gonna look them. I'm gonna look up a picture. But tell us about them. Yes. So this species' scientific name is Lactoria cornuta. This species is native to the Indo-Pacific and can be found in the Red Sea, as well as ranging from East Africa to, all the way to Marquesas to South Japan and down to Lord Howe Island. These are cool. Mm-hmm. Lord Howe Island yes. technically doesn't have the stick and sticks because they're on that volcanic, volcanic whatever that thing yep. is called. Um, they measure at 40 to 46 centimeters long, and they live in coastal habitats, particularly sandy and muddy areas, especially with sheltered areas with reefs and rocks. They are an omnivorous species that feeds on algae, as well as invertebrates located on the sandy substrate of their habitat, 
and they will blow jets of water to move the sand out of the way to reveal their prey. <laughs> this species belongs to the family of Strasidae and are commonly called boxfish or cowfish. The reason for the common name boxfish is because they have a cubical body shape, they which is do. covered by a carapace made up of bony plates. Hmm. These... I mean, they kind of almost look like pufferfish, but like yeah. different. But They're actually closely related to pufferfish. That would make sense by looking mm -hmm. at them. Yeah. These plates are actually hexagonal shaped scales that have been fused together to form the carapace. And the common name cowfish refers to the fact they have horns that are located above their <laughs> eyes. That's funny. But they also have another pair located at the posterior end of the fish. Whoa, down to the little tails, is that what those yep. are? Those are stabby things? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Scientists suspect that these traits have evolved to make the fish more difficult to be swallowed. Uh, that makes sense. By okay. predators. Their horns are not useful for fighting and can actually break <laughs> fairly easily. Another unique trick to the cowfish is that they lack an operculum, which is a bony cover over the gills in most fish, and instead they have a small hole in its place. The adults are a marine species of fish, but the juveniles will live in estuaries and near the entrance of rivers and brackish water before moving out into the ocean. Hmm. The juveniles also lack these, the species' distinctive horns. Another defense this species has against predation is that they have poisonous flesh, which discourages other animals from eating them. That is usually a deterrent, yes. Yes. Longhorn cowfish has a unique form of locomotion known as ostracate form swimming. What is that? You're going to tell us. Yes. So the cowfish needs to move its dorsal fin and its pectoral fins in order to accomplish this motion, and it makes them appear as though they're just hovering. I don't even see pectoral fins on these. They're very small. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that, there it is. Okay, I see it. Yeah, their fins actually stick out of the carapace because so the, there's the fins that are not covered by those special scales. Oh, okay, yeah. They look like they're see-through. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, that's the dorsal fin I'm looking at, I think. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> dorsal fin's on the back. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay. oh, I was thinking it was out, but I think that's actually the dorsal, but I think I do see it on the other side. Okay. Anyway, they're very small. Yeah. This species has not been assessed by the IUCN Red List. This species has been growing in popularity by hobbyists and get collected for the pet trade, but it is poorly suited for life in a home aquarium. Most do not live near their expected life expectancy of 8 to 10 years. Um, and they can live up to 20. And have they have specific feeding requirements. Need a lot of space, with 150 gallons being a bare minimum. Oh, wow. They're also very slow and sensitive, to, so they should be kept alone or with very peaceful tank mates. <laughs> also, they are poisonous and will secrete a unique toxin called ostracitoxin, okay. which comes from the family name, And when they get stressed. And since an aquarium is a closed system, if a boxfish is really stressed out, it will secrete more of it, this poison and can end up potentially killing itself. Oh my gosh. Would mm -hmm. it kill the other fish too? Yes. Oh, that's bad. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Also, I just imagine like netting them would be difficult with the horns yep. that you'd probably break off. Also, I stated a typo. Oh. It's eight to ten. Uh, it's ten years, not twenty years. Oh, okay. All right. They're cool though. I think I have seen those in yeah. tanks. Usually, before. when people try to keep them, they only live like two to five. Yeah, I just saltwater fish especially are just so challenging because mm -hmm. I always think of the fact that even with like reptiles too. Like with fires and stuff, when you have to evacuate, it's a lot harder mm -hmm. to be able to evacuate them and maintain the well fish tank. Being how many fish you have would mm -hmm. be like really difficult to maintain the, like the water quality 
and all of that would be so difficult if you had to evacuate and reptiles same thing keeping everything warm Mm -hmm. as it needs to be or you know the humidity is they're just difficult to be able to move anyway um so i there are a lot of fish in the sea as they say so i needed something that's true to help me um narrow down (laughs) Because also when I search for just fish, you just get like random, like a few of them. And I'm like, there's a lot more fish than this. Yes, it's the most diverse group of vertebrates. Yeah. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to use Finding Nemo as my base. (laughs) And I was like, I love this fish anyway. I've always thought they're beautiful. So basically chose Dory, y'all. So Dory is a blue hippo tang. Their scientific name is, oh boy, Paracanthorus. Actually, that one seems pretty right. Paracanthurus, I feel good on that. Hepatus. Say that five times fast. Paracanthurus hepatus. The bu- the boo, the blue tang is found in the Indian and Pacific Ocean and range from American from the American Samoa to the east coast of Africa. They tend to live in the waters around coral reefs. They get up to 25 to 30 centimeters. I didn't realize they got that big. Yes. Wow. In length and weigh around 600 grams. The common name blue tang is one that is actually used for a multiple of fish species, and this species has several other names, such as palate surgeon fish? Yep. Would not think that. Okay. Um, this species belongs to the family Acantheridae, something like that, uh, which are commonly referred to as the surgeon fish, and they get this common name from the spines on the top and bottom of their bodies that somewhat resemble a scalpel. That's how they came up with that? <laughs> yes. That's literally where surgeon fish came yep. from? Yeah, little... <laughs> I feel like there was like an old-timey like nautical term that is how this happened. That is crazy. Okay. Oh, I don't have a scalpel. Pass me a blue hippo tang. I'll cut this person open. Anyway, okay, craziness. So this species of tang has been known to live 20 years in captivity, but average around 8 to 12 years. Well, that's sad. In the wild, blue tangs have been known to live over 30 years. The blue tang is an omnivorous species that is known to occasionally feed on plankton, but primarily eat algae. Oh, I love fish that eat algae. They're the best. (laughs) The blue tang has small, sharp teeth that it uses to scrape algae off the corals in the reef. This makes the blue tang important for the whole ecosystem to function because without fish like them to remove the algae, then the coral would be completely covered and smothered to death by the algae. That'd be a bad way to go. Yes, it would. Fun fact, even though coral reefs cover less than 1% of Earth's surface, 25% of species in the ocean live in coral reefs. They're like the New York cities. (laughs) Of the ocean, you know? Anyway, all right. I love how that's your analogy and not like the Amazon rainforest of the ocean. Well, no, but I'm making it like people. Like not a lot of people live in Wasilla, Alaska, but a lot of people live in New York. (laughs) Speaking of, totally random, but did you know that the population of Escondido is larger than the entire population of all of Alaska? Everywhere. (laughs) Anyway, random facts you find out when you go there. All right, so back to the fish. They are a relatively social species, often in pairs or forming schools, up to 12 members, and they will also school with other species of tangs and surgeon fish, or, you know, clownfish and other things if it's Finding Nemo. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, the blue tang is probably most well known for being the species of fish that Dory is in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Finding Dory actually lied to you, my children. (laughs) Why are you gone? 
mouth. Because <laughs> I felt like it. Casey was having fun writing this one up. Finding Dory actually lied to you, my children, as it depicts a baby Dory being the same color as when she's an adult. But in reality, this species starts life as a bright yellow color with blue spots and eventually darken into a royal blue color as I mature. So first of all, I want to see that. That sounds adorable. <laughs> Second of all, Disney lied to us. <laughs> what? I thought Pocahontas was a completely accurate portrayal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and all of the other things. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Um, all right. Even though the fish has a harmless persona in this movie, the blue tang is not defenseless and actually has a pair of venomous spines on the side of their tail. Oh, snap. When they feel threatened, they will raise these spines and thrash their body from side to side, trying to stab the predator that is after them. I love them even more. They're beautiful. <laughs> they're awesome. I love them. However, as their first line of defense, they will actually play dead <laughs> and lay on their side when there's a predator nearby. <laughs> Aren't there so many little scavengers, though, that would go after them? Yes. Okay. Well, anyway. The blue tang is currently listed as least concerned by the well, IUCN red list. Yeah, I guess so. One of the threats facing the species is the collection for the aquarium trade, which has not been helped by movies like Finding Dory. In fact, movies like Finding Dory cause a phenomenon some call the Finding Nemo effect. Because after 2003, when the movie came out, there was an increased demand for clownfish, which hatcheries couldn't satisfy, leading to declines in wild populations. There was also the issue of people buying these species without knowing how to take care of them. It wasn't until 2016 that this species was successfully bred in captivity. Up until then, all blue tangs were caught from the wild, and it is estimated up to 250,000 blue tangs were collected each year. Oh my god. Another major threat to this species is loss of its coral reef habitat, which are being lost due to threats like ocean acidification and coral bleaching, both of which are linked to climate change and the increase of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Yes, in general, when I actually was just searching, like, fish of the Indian Ocean, mm -hmm. before I totally went, like, the Finding Nemo <laughs> route, there were, it was, like, a list of, like, ten fish from that area. Maybe not that area, but the oceans that are terrible tank fish. So yeah. don't get don't get a blue tank. Yeah, I saw one at a fish store around here, actually. There were two large ones. And they were all banged up because, like, these guys need a lot of space, so they were just hitting the Running glass. into things, yeah. yeah. So don't get things like this. Also, that's a very good point. Like, don't don't get bunnies at Easter unless you've already been planning to get a bunny and you've yeah. done all your research and you're set up and you just want to do it then. Fine. Same thing goes for chicks. Like, don't – it's the same way, like, when 101 Dalmatians comes out, everyone wants a Dalmatian. This is a very challenging breed. You probably don't want a Dalmatian. They're cool, but you probably don't. They're overhyped. I personally do want a Dalmatian, but I'd have to have be in the right space for a Dalmatian because there are a lot. But same thing goes for all that always happens anytime there's like a movie with a German Shepherd or a lot. I mean, labs are the most popular anyway because they're the best. But like, you know, but don't get all the fish. And we get that all the time at work. A Nemo. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, Nemo's a saltwater fish and this is nothing like it. And then don't just buy your kids things if you have no idea because... You, you're, mm -hmm. you don't want your kids to look at dead things, and they need to learn how to responsibly look after things, even when they're littles. And they can't just have everything they want. There was one, oh my God, where was I? I was at Jersey Mike's. Oh, I should have brought this up before. And this lady, first of all, gives no shit about her daughter or this pet. And so they had parakeets. And this is so random and off topic, but it just reminded me of it. They had parakeets, but the dad didn't like the parakeets. So they were in okay. a cage outside, which is stupid, because they're going to be... Yeah. Just exposed to all kinds of things. And no shit, a hawk was like, 
fuck yeah, food. So attacked it. I didn't gather from the story if the parakeets were eaten or they just flew off. Could be either. So the daughter, whose parakeets are, are very upset because her pets just went. And she's like, oh my God, calm down. We'll get more later. And I'm just like, you're a bitch. Oh, <laughs> like your daughter God. is attached to those parakeets. They're her yeah. pets. And also, why the fuck did you get them if your husband can't handle it? I remember meeting people like that when we worked at the pet yeah. store. <laughs> Terrible. It's like, no, 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 no. Also, like, don't. If you want to entertain your kids, it has to be something that you can handle. Like, don't buy them if... Get a pet rock. Yeah. Or, like, a fake thing. Like, you don't have to get the real thing. I'd be so pissed if I was that daughter. Mm -hmm. I would, like, hate my parents. I'd be like, it's your fault for putting them outside, and then you don't even care. Yeah. So don't do that. I'm letting you know right now, we hate you if you do that shit. So, there you go. But anyway, yes. Don't get fish like these. Most of, honestly, most of the saltwater fish are kind of problematic. Because a lot of them are wild-caught. 99, 95%. And birds. A lot of birds are very problematic, yeah. too. So anyway, you know, if you're going to do something that's... for a bird. Yeah, if you're going to do something that's bred, if you have to, dogs are better. <laughs> okay, this is just a, another sign tangent, but I remember when I was adopting out a cat once. Mm -hmm. um, these people that um, I was adopting out to, they actually used to work at... They were working at the bird store around here. Mm -hmm. And they were telling me about how when they applied, it's like, are you committed to like certain amount of years working for this company or something like that and they check marked it they closed the shop in like three weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah that place was great mm -hmm. i didn't yeah. go there that often but uh, birds are so weird to me because like i like them but i feel like they're just i don't know that i want to have birds like they're cool but they're just so loud yeah they're so loud and i feel like all the other pets i'd have would want to eat them so we had that problem we had birds when i was little and one of our dogs just would keep harassing them. So we wound up giving them to my aunt and uncle who I think had a dog. But they had the cage way up high in their house. They had like really elevated ceilings. And they weren't harassed as much there. <laughs> anyway, just consider things when you're getting pets. That's the point. But um, zero transition whatsoever to this. Okay. It is time. It's beautiful for our animal of the week. And our animal of the week this week is... The long-finned pilot whale. I've not heard of a long-finned pilot whale. I have heard of a pilot whale, but I really don't know much about them. So tell us about them, yes. Casey. I almost wanted to tell them about, tell me, wow, tell us about me is what I was trying to say. Right. I'm crazy. So just like all other cetaceans, they come from the order Artiodactyla, and they are in the family Delphinidae, and their scientific name is Globus cephalomelus. Okay. There are two separate populations of long-finned pilot whales, one in the North Atlantic and one spanning the Southern Ocean, north to parts of South America, South, Southern Africa, and Australia. It is suspected that the separate populations are two distinct subspecies, and there is a significant distinction in the lifespan between the sexes. Males can live 35 to 45 years, whereas females live up to 60 years. They are one of the largest species of dolphin in the world, with only orcas getting larger. They are also sexually dimorphic. Females are about 5.7 meters long and weigh 1,300 kilograms, whereas males get to be about 6.7 meters long and weigh 2,300 kilograms. Okay. This species of dolphin will feed on species of bony fish, but the bulk of their diet consists of squid. This species gets the common name pilot whale because of the behavior of this species that people 
observe with the pod seemingly following a leader or a pilot when they are traveling across long distances. Is this like a nautical pilot or a like airfare pilot? Nautical pilot. Okay. <laughs> it would make more sense to be nautical. I'm just saying. Yeah. Of course, we know that's not actually what's happening. Anyway. The generic name Globus Cephala comes from the Latin word globus, which means globe, and cephala, which means head. Wait, the... what does cephala mean? Head. Head, okay. Globe head. Yes. Cool. The species epithet of its scientific name, melis, comes from a Greek word for black, so its scientific name translates to black globe head. Very creative. <laughs> this translation is appropriate when you get a look at them because they have very stocky body with a large bulbous forehead that is called a melon. And from the melon is how they make several sounds and use echolocation. Hmm. Okay. Like many other dolphin species, the pilot whales are very intelligent and have well-developed brains. In fact, the longfin pilot whale has more neocortical neurons than any other mammal yet studied and nearly twice as many as in humans. Wow. What are neocortical neurons? Is that just what sends all the... Those are the neurons in the neocortex, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for higher brain functions. So for humans, that's things like perception, decision-making, and language. Okay. Pilot whales are also highly social and live in close-knit pods of up to 20 individuals that form a looser, larger groups that can number in the hundreds. These groups are based off of maternity, with pods usually being made up of mothers and their daughters and sometimes granddaughters. Okay. In these pods, the older and non-reproductive females will help the mother care for her calf. And these tight bonds with one another is suspected to be one reason for the mass stranding of this species on beaches. Mm. Oh, are these the ones that was the crazy mass stranding? Yes. Oh. Well... It's usually short fin pilot whales oh, okay. a lot of time, but these guys also mass strand a lot. Um, this species is also known to be social with other species of dolphin and whales, even though it may not seem like it with their stocky bodies, uh, but it would be appropriate to call the pilot whales the cheetahs of the deep sea due to their hunting strategy. That does not seem accurate, but okay, tell us about it. The so one study found that short fin pilot whales will make 15 minute, 15 minute high speed dive pursuits when hunting for squid and reach top speeds of 9 meters per second and can plunge down to 1,000 meters before they come back to the surface okay, to breathe. What is 9 meters per second? About 20 miles per hour. Thank you. I'm like, that is, don't give me this per second stuff. That's even harder to deal with. Okay. I had to. That's mean. Okay. Um, after these deep, fast dives, they must rest at the surface for a bit to catch their breath and energy before making another dive. Another group of whales that are deep diving squid hunters are the beaked whales, but they use a completely different strategy. Instead, the beaked whales dive slowly to save their breaths and stay down in the depth for up to half an hour with their dives lasting 50 to 90 minutes. It is suspected that these different hunting strategies evolve so that the species can coexist by occupying different niches, despite hunting similar prey. Um, and it is actually pretty similar to what has happened with cheetahs and the big cats in Africa. Pilot whales are the fast sprinters going for lo single large meals, while beaked whales are the endurance runners going after smaller squid. These different hunting strategies also explain other behaviors because pilot whales are often seen congregating at the surface and can be approached 
um, likely because they are tired, whereas beaked <laughs> whales are rarely ever seen and spend most of their time in the depths of the ocean. They know the humans are at the surface. They mm-hmm. don't want to be there. Yeah. There are drawbacks to this hunting strategy. For starters, this uses much more energy and they're not always guaranteed a meal, but scientists have found that pilot whales are only unsuccessful in about 40% of hunts. Also, due to the energy costs, they can only make um, two capture attempts um, at prey per dive. So they must be going after large enough species of squid to make these dives worth it. Hmm. There have been pieces of the arms of giant squid found in the water near pilot whales when they surface. So it is possible this species also hunts um, the largest... Giant squid. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) While being only a third of the size of sperm whales, which also hunt giant squid. Wow. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at these depths, there is no light, so the pilot whale cannot see, but like other dolphins, they use echolocation to locate and follow their target in pitch darkness. They also have different adaptations for feeding as they have fewer teeth than other dolphins that hunt fish. Instead, pilot whales will ram their prey with their head to stun it and then suck it up. Whoa. Okay. But then they don't kill it by chewing it once they suck it up? What do they do? Well, they'll grasp it, but it's more suction to subdue it rather than holding on. Biting and hanging on. Okay. The longfin pilot whale is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. They are also listed on Appendix 2 of CITES and are protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. One of the biggest threats for the species is pollution, as well as getting caught as bycatch by getting entangled in nets. It is likely that noise pollution is also affecting the species, especially from military sonar and seismic surveys. And due to pollution and bioaccumulation, the meat of the species is a potential health hazard for humans if one exceeds consumption limits. And this species is currently only hunted for in the Faroe Islands and Greenland. Mm, yes, that's that whole, um, the grind. Yes. And all that. Anyway. All right. Well, these guys, as you said, are not endurance swimmers. I almost no. said runners. <laughs> they go on short journeys. But a lot of whales make long journeys. Yes. And Casey, what do whales like to listen to on long journeys? Mm. No, that one. I don't know. Podcasts. <laughs> damn it, damn it. They listen to us. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I was going to say music because I think of like no, a whale yeah, song. Yeah. It's like, that's d- no. no. Podcasts. I also <laughs> listen to podcasts on long journeys. So, mm. you know, I agree with this. It's a great, it's a great choice. Oh, All word. right. Well, that uh, was our long finned pilot whale. Go them. And that brings us to our challenge. And I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably going to be terrible. I don't know if it's for both. If it's for just me, it's going to be terrible. If it's, it's for, for both of us, great. Okay. So I'll probably get a D again because that seems to be where I rest. <laughs> be optimistic. So along with being Pokemon Day today, it okay. is also International Polar Day. Polar Polar or Polar Bear? Polar Bear Day. Okay. <laughs> it's International Polar Bear Day. So I will give you an International Polar Day quiz featuring on you polar bears. You just said Polar Day again. Okay, you're going to give me an International Polar Bear Day <laughs> quiz on. featuring polar bears. Got it. Okay. Yes. They kill belugas. <laughs> okay. So, I will give you 10 minutes to answer all the questions. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I, it, it makes me feel worse that this is probably going to be bad and it should be easier because it's polar bears. Yeah. And it makes me sad. Continue. Okay. Commence. All right. True or false, the polar bear is the largest species of carnivoran. Oh, no. You expect me to know carnivoran? Um, I'm going to say true. They're pretty freaking big. 
That is false. Oh, my God. Okay. We're off to a good start. <laughs> we'll go through the right answers later. What species is the polar bear's main food source? It's, I would say it's going to be seals. What kind of seals? Oh, come on, man. I've talked about I it. I think you've said it before, so I'm going based on the fact that you've said this one time. I'm going to say a ring seal, but I have no idea if that's right. That is correct. Great. What color is the polar bear's skin? I want to say it's black, but they have like the yellowy oils and shit. I'm going to say black. That is correct. Yay. The polar bear's scientific name is Ursus maritimius. Sorry, maritimus. Okay. What does this translate to? Ocean bear. I don't know. I'll give it. It's okay. technically sea bear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What percentage of hunts are polar bears successful in capturing prey? I'll give you a 5% grace range. Oh, come on, man. I mean, usually they're going after seals that are on the snow, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like they're pretty successful, but most predators aren't very successful. Are they more successful than the black-footed cat? <laughs> Probably not, since it's the deadliest cat in Africa. Um, I'll say 60%. That is not Success. correct. Okay. Polar bears have a unique form of reproduction which the female won't ovulate until she mates. What is this called? Oh, no. We have definitely said this before. Um, I don't remember the name. I feel like it's something. I feel like estrus is part of it, but I don't know. What's the whole thing where they get a hold it off situation? Delayed estrus. That's incorrect. Yeah, obviously. <sighs> What color is a polar bear's fur? Okay, so this is where I get confused. Because, like, they're white, but they have that yellowy, like, oil and shit on them. So, I'm going to say white. That is incorrect. Is it yellow? No. Oh. We'll get to it. Okay. What is the polar bear's conservation status under the IUCN red list? Oh, I should definitely know that, and I do not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say endangered. That is incorrect. Are they critically endangered? Nope. They're just threatened? Mm -hmm. What? They are vulnerable. Most polar bears do not den during the winter months, like their grizzly bear cousins. What is the exception to this rule? I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, exception meaning that there are polar bears somewhere that do do it? Or a certain kind of polar bear? I'm not going to know my different kinds of polar bear. I'm going to say polar bears in fucking Russia. I don't know. <laughs> That's Russian polar bears. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Okay. Yeah, this is going great. Polar bears' feet have many adaptations for their environment to help them traverse their Arctic habitat. Okay. Name one of these adaptations. Um, almost said they're really big, so they're like snowshoes, and I'm gonna guess there's some webbing between their toes, so they can be effective swimmers. So I'll go with webbing. That is correct. Okay. You would also been incorrect with snowshoes. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Uh, I think I got an F. I don't think I even made it to a D this time. Let's see. Yeah, you got 40%. Oh, great. Okay. Let's go through them. First one, true or false, the polar bear is the largest species of carnivoran. That is false. There was a bonus. The lar Name the largest carnivoran, and that is the southern elephant seal. They're in carnivoran? Yes. Seals are carnivorans. I would not have thought that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. 
What species is the polar bear's main food source? There were two correct answers. The ringed seal and bearded seals. I would not have gotten bearded seal. I haven't <laughs> even heard of that. Okay. Yeah. And polar bear skin is black. Uh, polar bear scientific name, Ursus maritimus, translates to sea bear. You got that correct. Percentage of hunts that polar bears are successful at, it is 10%. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're not very successful. That sucks. But seals have a ton of calories. So when you get it, you get it. Yeah, because yeah. they are either usually waiting at a ice hole, waiting mm-hmm. for, and they can literally be waiting for days. Wow. <laughs> or they're trying to pound down into a den, and then the seal has a chance to escape. Oh, okay, okay. And the unique form of reproduction polar bears have is called induced ovulation. Ah, oh, that's okay, yeah. And the polar bear's color for their fur is that it's colorless and transparent. Oh. Okay, so so extra confused now because their skin is black. So is it the oils and shit on them that make it look like it's white? What makes it it's a matter of physics because they are also hollow. Um, so basically, the hairs when are the hollow, you mean? yes, okay. hair is hollow, transparent fur, and so when light hits that, it reflects all wavelengths of light. When you reflect all wavelengths of light, it appears white. It's white. So even if you have fur that's not on a living polar bear, it's still gonna come across. If you mm-hmm. just have like a clump, it's still yeah. gonna be white. And you get that yellow because of oil. Yeah. How do they? Would it look? Well, obviously, it would look different under a microscope. But mm-hmm. is there a way to see that it's trans? How do they know it's transparent? You can see it under a microscope. But then, like, like my hair wouldn't be transparent under a microscope. No. I would just be brown and stuff. I want to look at a polar bear's hair fur under a microscope Yeah, it's important that their hairs are also hollow because that allows the light to come down in, directly hit to the fur, and keeps them warm. That warms them up. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Well, there you go. I failed. And? As per usual. As we mentioned earlier, they are not endangered or critically endangered, but they are vulnerable. Well, so... Threatened, vulnerable, endangered? Is that how it goes? So or... it goes least concerned, near threatened, vulnerable, endangered, critically endangered. Oh, there's no threatened. It's just near threatened and vulnerable. Yes. So vulnerable is basically Yes, because the threatened category covers three classifications, vulnerable, endangered, oh. and critically endangered. Okay. Well, I guess I said they were endangered. I should have said they're threatened. <laughs> so that would cover... I'm using that in the future. I'll say they're threatened because oh it gosh. covers three categories. <laughs> um okay yeah and most polar bears don't den during the winter months like their grizzly bear cousins what is the exception to this rule pregnant females okay that would still be a lot of polar bears dude not necessarily that's why they're dying they can't reproduce (laughs) anyway um and the other adapt so you got large feet so large surface area act like snowshoes webbed feet the only bears that have it and that helps them with swimming and the last one is they have papillae on their feet. What the hell is that? They're tiny little dermal bumps. Bumps on their skin acts as friction so they don't slip on the ice. Oh, it's like little cleats. Yes. But not as sharp. Yeah. That's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Unless you get hit with one because you'll die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll probably die quickly, though, because if you get hit by that, that's probably just going to like break your neck immediately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least you can go out quickly. I don't know if we've talked about this, but like there's like this saying is like, um, Black, fight back. Mm-hmm. Brown, brown, lie down. down. White, good night. Good night. Yep. <laughs> You're just screwed. Give it up. Yep. <laughs> Probably not very likely to run into a polar bear, though. Unless you I remember in, like, there was Russia. this one once in a million 
I don't know what actual probabilities, but one actually came all the way down into the states. Really? Yes, this was like over a decade ago. It was it's so like I had long to go to like ago. Minnesota or one of those yeah. like snowy cold places. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Do they even go into Canada? They do go to Canada, but they don't go come far to- down. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. As far as that's the only instance that it's ever come down that far. That was like our little sea lion yes. who decided to go on the freeway, <laughs> but to a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Except for they already walk on land, so that wasn't as weird as a sea lion scooching yeah. <laughs> four miles. Anyway, all right. Well, there we go. Um, I don't know if I'd call that successful um, since I did so terrible, but we learned some stuff about polar bears today. Yay. Um, to be fair, when you talked about polar bears, it was a very long time ago, so I'm not going to remember all these things. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 74. <laughs> As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.